Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Hello, this is Football Social Daily. If you've not subscribed yet, make sure you do so today. Join the ever-growing team of people that listen to these podcasts every day and keep up to date with the very latest Premier League football news. Today we've got Pep taking shots at the rest of football after Manchester City were cleared of breaking rules over FFP. We've got Chelsea taking a step closer to Champions League qualification with a frankly disappointing display against relegated Norwich. But how much praise does Frank Lampard deserve for his performance this season? And we've got a full raft of Premier League previews, including what should be a tight encounter between the champions Liverpool and Arsenal, but doesn't feel like it's going to be. We've also got a goal fest between Manchester City and Bournemouth, potentially. All that's still to come, and we're going to talk about all those topics in the company of Steve McNaughton. You're right, Steve. Hello, Jim. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, man. And we've got Stefan Armstrong as well. Now then, Stefan. Now then, Jim. I like that you're taking on the now then mantle. <laughs> Stealing like your catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Although someone else said that catchphrase first, so maybe we shouldn't call it a catchphrase. Uh, I'm Jim Salverson. This is Football Social Daily. Before we crack on, we love that you listen to this podcast. We love that you contact us on social media. At The Sports Social on Twitter is one place you can do that. And we also love your reviews because it helps other people find this show if you leave reviews however you listen to podcasts. But... Now, here's a challenge for you, Steve and Stefan. Guess how many reviews we've had of this podcast in the last 30 days. Steve, you can guess first. 17. 17. Stefan? One. <laughs> well, you're both overballing it, I'm afraid, because we've had none. <laughs> Zip. Zero <laughs> reviews. No news is good news, Jim. <laughs> well, maybe. But I, well, I like the reviews, so please, let's put this right. Today, get on Apple Podcasts, get on CastBox, wherever it is you listen to the show. Leave us a review, and if you do so, I will make sure you get a shout-out on the podcast for doing so as well. I like the funny ones, by the way, particularly if you take a little dig at one of the other team, like Niall, for moaning about everything. Always Niall. Or... Always Niall. direction. Or Steve for mentioning that Liverpool are European champions every other 30 seconds. So get your reviews in now because I will be checking them and we'll be giving you a shout out on the show. But let's get stuck into last night's game. It was Chelsea 1, it was Norwich 0. And I think the majority of Chelsea fans would have expected a few more goals last night, Stefan. But I guess at this stage in the competition, as long as you get the three points, as far as Chelsea are concerned with their Champions League aspirations, it doesn't really matter how you get them. No, it doesn't matter at all. And that's exactly what Frank Lampard said after the game last night. And he, he cut a frustrated figure throughout the entire 90 minutes. And you can see why. Let's be honest here. It was a pretty boring game of football. Giroud took his goal well in the manner that Giroud always takes his goal. It's Goals, it always seems to be some kind of diving header. He's done it again. <laughs> He's got the three points. I think Frank can be absolutely over the moon with that. And that's exactly what he said after the game. He said, I want to do more. But I've accepted right now, I can't do more. And that's fine. We just want mm. the three points. We want to play in the Champions League next season. That's what he's done. And you've got to say, it's looking pretty good for them. Only only two more games to play, I think, for Chelsea. Yeah. It's looking good for them, isn't it? How do you points. know who they're playing, Steph? Yeah, they've got a difficult one. They've got Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. And Wolves. That, that's really hard for them, that. Let's look at it. So Chelsea is sitting there on 63 points. They only need a win. They need a win, and I fancy Chelsea over Wolves 
for that win. So I think Chelsea have just about made it. And that, that's exactly what Frank said last night. It wasn't vintage, but it just got the win. Four points pretty much guarantees champion, well, does guarantee Champions League football because of the way the other fixtures lie and who's playing who on the final day of the season. And I think Stefan's right. I think I'd back Chelsea to do it at this stage. And if they do get Champions League football, Steve, I mean, that's a massive achievement for Frank Lampard, isn't it? Because at the beginning of the season, we were saying it was a free hit. They had the transfer ban. Anything kind of goes. And what he's done at Chelsea is he's given them an identity. And actually, if they get Champions League football as well, that's a bonus and it's a big bonus. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. And, you know, he was unfancied when he was appointed because it was almost like, oh, well, there's not really anyone else that we can turn to, you know, in the light of the transfer ban. But he, uh, he's he got the side playing good football. Uh, yes, they've lost 11 games this season, but he's also bedded in a lot of youth as well. He's given the, the young players the chance to, to get established in the squad and he's kept faith with people like Pulisic, which is paying off for him. So I think mm. he's done a great job and he's been very bold in the transfer market, obviously with Zayek and, and, and Werner coming in um, and they've got a bit of money to spend and it looks like Chelsea are going to back him as well. But to get Champions League football, uh, I think is absolutely great for them and I think they will get it. I, I think they will do it because obviously Leicester v Man City on the last day of the season is is massive uh, for them positions and, um, and they've got an opportunity to kill Wolves off as well. So... I do fancy them to get it, and I think they'll um, they'll be a better team for the experience they've had in the Champions League this season. They got obviously turned over three 0 at home by Bayern Munich in the first leg of the last sixteen, but they'll be an older, wiser team next season for that. And I think if he can sort his defence and his goalkeeping situation out, Frank's got a team there. Also, you'd have to say that up front they potentially need a little bit of strengthening. We saw Tammy Abraham on fire at the beginning of the season, but he's dropped off a little bit. Giroud's kind of made that front spot. He appears to be first-choice striker at the moment, and there were a lot of rumours about him potentially leaving in January. So I think him, as a player, and I've always been a fan of Olivier Giroud, I think he deserves a lot of credit for his mentality, his work ethic, remaining at a club that potentially he didn't really want to be at. You've got to remember, they've just spent £50 on Timo Werner for next season, so... Giroud's not going to be the focal point of that Chelsea team anytime soon. He's, he's the ultimate backup. He's like a better Peter Crowley. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I sorry, think he's sorry, a good player. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a good player. I think he's still got some some life in him. I think, you know, you are right. You know, Timo Werner will start for Chelsea. You don't spend 50 million on a striker and not have him as your first pick. And I think Giroud will play almost like, you remember the Lorente role that he played a few years ago where he'd just come off the bench and he would just terrorise people, wouldn't he? Because mm. he, he'd be something different when you're struggling to get a, a breakthrough in a game. And I think Giroud can do that. And I think he'll be happy to accept that role at a big football club like Chelsea. I mean, I know he was linked with other clubs in January. Um, was he Was he linked with Newcastle, was he, in January? Or did, have I just made that up? He was linked with everywhere. Newcastle, West Ham, Roma, I think, were in for him at one point. York City. Yeah. I mean, he could have gone. To, yeah, he could. Yeah. he could have gone in, gone to Roma because that's probably a club of the stature that that matches his ambitions at this stage in his career. But you know, Giroud has been a very successful player. He's you know he's won honours in football and um, and he's he's a he's a class act and a, and a great professional. So I think I think any team would be lucky to have him. What looked great for Chelsea last night is how Pulisic laid him up for that goal and he's yeah. really starting to look like a quality player as well so that's an exciting combination for next season Werner and Pulisic like, well he's fit now isn't he you know he's fit he's, he's over his injuries and um, even though Chelsea have spent big money on him previously you know he has saved them a load of money this summer uh, because they've just unearthed this gem of a player who if he stays fit the sky's the limit for him and another young player as well who's doing the business at Chelsea. And Norwich have got a fair few of those as well. Um, you look at the youth players or the young, talented players they've got in their first team. Max Ahrens, Ben Godfrey, Buendia, Todd Cantwell as well. You'd fancy that there's going to be a few teams looking at that Norwich squad and just picking away at that between now and the end of the season. And there's going to be some big movements at Norwich. But I guess at the same time, they probably need that. They probably need a refresh if they're going to go down to the Championship and come back up, Steve. Yeah, definitely. I think they, you know, they will need to... to um, it needs a bit of you know evolution, that team, because I, we've said it before on the podcast, they come up to the Premier League 
accepting that they were probably going to get relegated. And it's I don't think that's been good enough. And I think serious questions need to be asked. And I think it will lead to some of these young, talented players that they've got thinking they need to go and play football somewhere else because they can't be dragged into that set of circumstances. Um, I don't blame Daniel Farke for it, the manager. I think it's been a bored decision to literally give him no money to spend um, in light of the the biggest you know prize money in football for that for you know for the playoff final at Wembley. But uh, they've got some good. I think Buendia is probably going to go to La Liga. Is it? I think I seen some on Sky Sports News the other day. Where is it? Atletico Madrid that are interested in him, right? Um, or Bilbao or someone like that. You know, are very interested in him. I could probably see that move happening. Um, but I also think that um, you know the likes of Todd Campwell, who someone said to me uh, on one of the um, the WhatsApp groups I'm in that he's available for ten to fifteen million quid, and you, someone will have to bite Norwich's hand off for that because I think there's a player in there, and I think you know I would have him at Liverpool. I think there's a place for him in the squad uh, at Liverpool, but I'd, I'd also. Um, the fullbacks as well, I think, are good. I think Max Adams will will get a big move, um, and I think that um, Jamal Lewis will get a big move as well. And um, and you know, it's just a shame that you know Pookie lost his form that he started the season with because if you remember, mm. he was just banging goals in for fun, and he was terrorising defences. And then he broke his toe, and he was never quite the same again after it, was he? Um, and you know, it, I don't think it would have saved them anyway. Having that goal threat. You know, would have been welcome because they've just, I think they've just fizzled out, and I think it got to past Christmas, and you know, uh, they thought actually, yeah, it's happening, we're going down, and um, that's the time when you've got to react and you've got to do something. The board should have backed them in January for me and said, listen, is ten or fifteen million quid, um, which is probably a lot of money for Norwich. Um, just go and do what you can with it mm-hmm. and try and make us. Difficult to break down, uh, difficult to beat, and and make us really compact because they you know they played they played very expansive football to begin with Norwich. Um, you know we were all praising them on the podcast and saying you know it's it's refreshing to see a team come up from the Championship and have a go because I think they beat Man City early doors, didn't they three yeah. two? And um, you know they've had some great results, but they, they just cannot come into the to the Premier League, spend a million quid. And try to play out from the back and play this really expansive football because they've just been mullered for it. I completely the... agree with you, Steve. It's not it's not really good enough, is it? If you're a Norwich fan, I'd be disappointed at my team's stab at the Premier League this season. Yeah. I was told last night um by somebody in the pub that Daniel Farker said within a few games that he foresees Norwich uh, there'd only be a five percent chance of them staying in the Premier League this season. And that's at the beginning of the season. That's that's defeatist, isn't it? I, I don't think that's good mm. enough either. There should have been more investment because what you've got there is basically a club who have accepted the fact that they're going to go down and they'll 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 take that parachute money and they'll just rebuild and hopefully get into the Premier League sooner rather than later. And that's basically becoming a West Brom. Who who has ambitions to become West Brom? Mm. I don't think that's good enough. <laughs> Lee, true, Lee, Lee Whitehouse is going to will have something to say about that. <laughs> well, who's our yeah. resident baggy on the podcast? But people who teams who are happy to go up and go down, go up and mm. go down. This yo-yoing, it's. I think. I think at the start of the season there should be an ambition to to do your best and put everything behind that team to give them every chance of staying up, uh, just for the fans more than anything. Daniel Fark after the game yesterday, and I'm reading between the lines a little bit and paraphrasing as well, but he seemed to kind of suggest that he didn't think that his team had the ability to grind out results this season so when they're on form and when they were playing the expansive free-flowing football which I genuinely believe they tried to play right the way through the season they were fine but they had to be uh, football cliche coming up 110% to get those results when it wasn't going their way he was saying he didn't have the personnel in that team to kind of grind out results to win ugly and I guess maybe that's what they need to do if they come back to the Premier League they need to be able to play that ugly football that promoted teams have to play to get those results to get those draws that gets them that 40 points on the board we'll have to wait and see who does stick around at Norwich and actually the Norwich chief executive came out earlier this week and said that the starting price for any of their young stars 
is 20 million quid and I know Max Aaron's has already been touted around at 30 million so I think that 10 to 15 million might be lowballing it a little bit uh, let's move on to Manchester City versus Bournemouth that is tonight's game and it is Manchester City's opportunity to show a reaction to the decision from Cass to overturn the UEFA charge of breaking FFP rules and the ban that followed. Did you see Pep Guardiola's TV interview, his press conference before this game, boys? Because, I mean, he was taking swipes and swings all over the place. Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsene Wenger, he was kind of having a bit of a pop at. Was he justified in making those comments, Steve? (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) I, I don't think he was. I think, you know, Pep... Should have, surprise, surprise, listeners. Um, I think Pep should have just, you know, maintained a position of dignity a little bit. I don't think it was the time to to come out and be really bullish about the situation because, um, you know, obviously I know it's old news now because it came out on Monday morning. But you know, City have not been exonerated here. They've not had a full exoneration for what's gone on. Um, hence why they've been fined nine million pounds, which. Um, you know, the owners can pay off from uh, working for 42 seconds. Um, but I think it's um, this is this is a failure of UEFA's disciplinary uh, proceedings and an abil- inability to get a job done, uh, essentially. And I think what's happened with the Court of Arbitration for Sport, they've said, you know, you, there's some stuff here that, that is wrong, um, but we can't make it all stick because of the time-barring situation. And I think it's not a time for hang Man on, City hang to on, celebrate hang on, hang on, hang on. and say that they've... Uh, have they said that? Because have, they haven't released their full statement yet, have they? Unless it's happened in the last few hours. I've certainly not seen it. So what they've said is... I read something on Monday, yeah. Was it on Liverpool.com or something like that? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It actually might have been on the BBC. So take, take from that what you will. But the time barring was mentioned in it. And I think some of the the, um, uh, the things that have been banded around is because the... the the situation is over five years old regarding sponsorship revenues and how that money is being attributed and stuff like that. So I don't think it's an, an exoneration for Man City. I think it's it's a UEFA massively balding it up and trying to take Man City on and Man City having a legal team that can just unpick it with ease and um, and they failed to make it stick and the Court of Arbitration for Sport have said, yeah, you've, there is something here, but there's not enough for you to prosecute Man City in this manner. So I don't think it's a time, just on the original point, I don't think it's a time to, for, for Pep to be coming out and giving it the big one about it. Mm. I think, you know, Man City, you know, behind the closed doors, will be feeling, we've dodged a bullet here, we, we've we've got off with one here. And um, I think managers like, like Klopp and and Jose Mourinho and coming out and saying the things that they've said is is probably just how 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 they feel and the the, the two emotional managers who were the heart on the sleeve anyway and whether we agree with it or not they are entitled to their opinion and they think well Jose was a bit on the fence wasn't he but but you know Jurgen Klopp was saying that it is a sad day for football because financial fair play has collapsed as a result of this it's 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 an absolute joke of a system now and it it basically the message out there is is that it doesn't really matter what you do because we're not in a position as a as a governing body in UEFA to make this stuff stick and that's why the likes of PSG, your Barcelona, your Real Madrids and um, I've I've got away with it in the past but they hammered AC Milan for it and you know and AC Milan got a European ban so I just think just calm down Pep just just get on with the business crack on go you know just talk up the Bournemouth game and don't kind of like you know. Uh, be giving it to I mean what the hell's Arsene Wenger got to do with it I mean the, the guy's <laughs> bloody retired years ago and you know let, he's doing some role with UEFA in, in Geneva uh, he's not even involved in the Premier League or anything mm. so you know he's not the type to, I mean I don't, what the f*** is it what, having a pop at Arsene Wenger you know achieve but I think I get it with Liverpool and um, and Manchester United because you know, Man United are City's big, you know, rivals across the other side. Uh, Liverpool and Man City are certainly in a, you know, Premier League battle these last few years, and um, so so I get it. But yeah, come on, Pep. You know, it's, Steve, uh, but the Man City fans will be buzzing. And um, Steve, you know, I've you know seen, what um, Pep Guardiola would say to you about that rant you what? just had. You've got my number. Call me. <laughs> if, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's what it's. I wouldn't say it was a rant. I'd just say it was a fact that I just thought Pep was was gloating a little bit about about the result, and I think that 
I just d- don't think he did in he's a position to do that. He's going to be over the moon because... with that, isn't he? He's going to be. He is going to be over the moon with it. But let's he keeps his let's best players and he's in the Champions League next season. He's going to be absolutely loving it. That's why he's bullish. absolutely. But you know, he's he's just um, uh, you know. I just think I just don't. What I'm, I suppose I'm saying is that I don't buy into the narrative that um, it's a complete exoneration for City. Um, hence the fine. Um, it it's I it feels to me like they've got away with one, and we all knew that we were going to do it because we knew that the, the the legal team that Man City were going to put in place would absolutely demolish UEFA mm. at the uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport with ease, and that's what's happened. And I think it's great for the fans, um, it's great for the club. I think hopefully they can get behind the Champions League now because I think something was said on the podcast yesterday where it's like. Uh, I think Niall asked, um, uh, yeah, but you hate the competition, so why do you want to be in it so much and why are you um, you know, so desperate to win it? And it was like, well, you know, just to annoy people. And it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> you know, um, it's just, I think it's a whole sad, sorry state of affairs. And I think, thankfully, Man City, the football can put it all to bed now. And it has happened. Nothing's going to change. They're in the competition. And I fancy them to win it this season. Um, and I think when they, if they do win it this season, I think they can be classed as, as European elite because I think until you've won the Champions League or the European Cup, <laughs> you you know you can't be classed as a big European team. Well, after that, that's pretty much all we've got time for on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to put I'm going to put the cast oh, and. <laughs> I'm going to put the cast and the FFP stuff to the side for the time being because we've talked about that over the last couple of days. Go back and listen to those podcasts. Some real insight from City fans and non-City fans as to what it means. And I'm no doubt at all we'll talk about the future of FFP very soon, particularly when Cast do release their full statement. But Stefan, for tonight's game, I mean, there's two teams here that are going to be massively fired up. City, surely after that decision, they're going to want to go out and prove themselves. And Bournemouth, still fighting for survival, and they beat Leicester City emphatically at the weekend. So they're going to have a little bit of confidence that they're going to stay up. It, I, I'm, I'm smelling a goal fest. Yeah, I mean, what a time to play Leicester City for Bournemouth. So I think that's why they got that result. Put it this way, Jim. Um, there's been 810 minutes of football between Manchester City and Bournemouth in the Premier League. That's nine games. Man City have won all nine <laughs> games. And the uh, goal score v against is twenty eight to four for City. Wow! So I can't Rugby imagine game. anything other than a Man City win and a big Man City win tonight. Uh, Pep Guardiola is fired up, so his City team are going to be fired up. You know exactly what he's going to be saying to them. He's going to be motivating them. He's going to be using his man management to make sure that they keep going to the end of the season and, and essentially keep up their momentum because. They've got a lot to play for still. Obviously, second place is tied up for them, but as Steve says, it's all about maintaining form for the Champions League for Man City. So they'll go into this game uh, all guns blazing, really, and I expect them to heavily defeat Bournemouth and probably send Bournemouth to their relegation. Eddie Howe said, well, going on Stefan's stats, I think that works out at an average of three goals for City and 0.33 for Bournemouth or something like that so if you've got a you get good odds on Bournemouth to score 0.33 goals in a game I reckon um, <laughs> Eddie Howe's been saying that nothing is impossible when he's talking about Bournemouth staying up that doesn't sound hugely confident does it? Yeah when 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 you're talking about possibilities and all mathematically still possible it just reeks of desperation mm. doesn't it I think he knows his time's up but fair play to the guys he's had a cracking go at the Premier League over the last few seasons they're not going to be disappointed I, I don't I don't think they, they've got the right to be they've, no. they've stayed in the Premier League let's face it ahead of other teams which you've got to say are bigger than them uh, certainly in terms of capacity but also probably in terms of I don't want to say history but fan base so they've They've done well staying there for so long. I think it's time for them to go. The dream's just slowly dying. And come on, Eddie Howe knows that too. I've got a feeling that Eddie Howe will still get another crack at the Premier League next season. If Bournemouth do go down, I think there'll be someone, even though it's been maybe disappointing this season, wasn't great the season before, I think someone's going to come in for Eddie Howe and he'll get another crack at the Premier League with a different club. Uh, More good news for Manchester City fans, as if your week isn't good enough already. The Daily Mirror are reporting today that 
Pep Guardiola is about to sign a new long-term deal at the club and also that he's going to be handed £150 million to spend in the summer. That's coming from The Guardian <laughs> as well. All right, we're going to go back in a minute on Football Social Daily. We're going to talk about a few more of the games that are still to come tonight, including Arsenal, Liverpool, Burnley, Wolverhampton and Newcastle are playing Tottenham. We'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. If you want more from Sports Social, which is the people who make this podcast, you can go to our website, sports-social.co.uk. There's instructions there how to find us on smart speakers, how you can listen to match reports, how you can listen to daily team updates as well. And it looks really pretty on your website. So go and have a look, www.sport-social.co.uk. But let's crack on with tonight's games, starting with your lot, Steve. It's Arsenal versus Liverpool. It should be a quality, competitive game. But to me, Steve, it feels like it's going to be a damp squib. Uh, yeah, potentially. I think Arsenal uh, can only really get European Europa League this season now, can't they? They're completely out of the, the running to get top four, um, which is disappointing for them and obviously for a club of that stature. There's a big job to do at Arsenal, but I think that Liverpool will want to try and break the 100-point mark and they'll need three points tonight to do that because if, because if they don't, they're not going to break 100 points. So Liverpool will need a win. Uh, I think we've, we've got to go for it tonight. I think he'll put his strongest 11 out that he can put out bar Jordan Henderson being injured. And we've just got to have a go at Arsenal. We know, we know the shambolic at the back. Um, you know they've got a couple of uh, decent options at fullback, but in terms of centre half, and especially when you know Arteta's playing that three at the back system with um, what's the big Serbian lad Kolas- Kolasinic, um, yeah. David Luiz, and I can't remember the other guy Mustafi. Uh, Mustafi. Uh, you know that that was not great against Tottenham, so it'd be interesting to see if he sticks with that system because I think if he does stick with that system, Liverpool should have a bit of joy tonight and. Um, I think that's that's probably what we're going to do. We've got nothing to lose now. We can we can play without any fear or without any inhibition, and we can just try and pummel Arsenal. And I think that Jurgen might set us up to to try and do that and try and be super offensive and try and get a couple of early early you know, goals because Arsenal tend to collapse mentally mm. when they've con- you know conceded a couple of goals. So I, I don't expect anything apart from a Liverpool win tonight. But you know Arsenal have. Not been in bad form uh, since the restart, uh, you know. With I think, um, but yeah, th- 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 there's a lot for Mikel Arteta to do there, uh, certainly on in defence. With Arsenal, they should, if they had any sense, be looking at the Burnley game and how Burnley managed to get a point out of Liverpool, Stefan. But it's really difficult to see Arsenal doing anything other than being Arsenal. They're not a team that plays with grit and Steve's highlighted their defensive frailties and you do fear for them when they come up against teams like Liverpool but at the same time if there's any team that's going to let them kind of play the way they want to play it's going to be Liverpool because they're going to be interested in their own attacking game. I fear for any team that comes up against Liverpool to be honest with you. I fear for teams like Man City when they play Liverpool. I guess the hope for Arsenal tonight is that Liverpool have kind of lost a little bit of form since the restart. I think they've drawn a couple and lost uh, one uh, in the six games, so not flying on all all fronts like they were before the restart. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't fancy Arsenal. Not really got anything more to say about it, to be honest. <laughs> well, in that case, we'll move on to the next one: uh, Burnley versus Wolverhampton. <laughs> We've seen what Burnley can do this season. Liverpool felt that last weekend, tenth um, in the league at the moment. It feels like it's unfair to say that if Wolves turn up to this game, they're going to win. But to me, it feels like if Wolves turn up to this game, <laughs> they're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. Do you know what? It's a, sim- um, it's a situation with these games at this stage in the season. And I think Burnley and Wolves both fall into this category, potentially, where they haven't got a massive amount to play for. And with Wolves, they were in the chase for those Champions League spots when it was looking like City might not be in it and it was top five. Now it's top four. 
you kind of think they're out of it. They're probably pretty nailed on for top six. So there's going to be a few games this season where you're kind of looking at teams going, you're on the beach and you're not massively focused on this game, Steve. I think that Wolves might back themselves to pull off a bit of an upset before the 38 games are up. Because, yes, they're relying on snookers. You know, there's, there's, there's no doubt about that because I think they're four points behind, aren't they? Mm. But, you know, just looking at their games, they've got Burnley away tonight and then they've got Palace at home and then they've got Chelsea away. And I, it's not beyond the realms of possibility for Wolves to get nine points there, I don't think. And I think, you know, that would have a, a, a dramatic effect on things at the top of the table because you've got kind of Leicester to, to play Man City. Chelsea have got to play Liverpool away. Um, you know, Leicester have Sheffield United as well, which is never an easy game. And obviously they've got Tottenham before they play Man United in the last game of the season. So I don't think you should write, anyone should write Wolves off yet. And I think that that's got to be, you know, the, the, the mantra that, that you know Nuno goes with for this game because it, it is that the tonight is that game where they have to win otherwise it is going to be Europa League football for them and it's that Thursday Sunday schedule that I've castigated many times on mm. the podcast over the last eighteen months and um, it's I, I think he'll think they can spring a bit of an upset and. Do you know what? Watch this space with it. Um, you know, because if Wolves can kind of go into that last two games and, and they're still in with a, with a shout, uh, you know, don't back against them. The way that Leicester are performing at the minute. Um, and I think they'll have the tails up and I think they'll be up for it. Wolves would have never been expected to get Champions League football at the beginning of this season. It would have never been on the cards. Europa football, yeah. Champions League football, no. But now we go into this final stage of the season. It feels almost like not getting a Champions League spot might be a bit of a disappointment, particularly when we've had players in that squad excelling. People like uh, Raul Jimenez and Connor Cody, Traore, Neves, who could very easily be tempted away from Wolves with the offer of Champions League football. I think Neves would be a great addition for City. We've talked about Traore potentially going to Liverpool. Cody, a Again, it would be a decent centre-backs option for City, in my opinion. So those players could easily be picked off if Wolves don't get Champions League football. But is that unfair to say that without it, it's been a disappointing season, Stefan? Neto and Diego Jota as well. Yeah. Mm. Both quality players both get picked up. I think, do you know what? Wolves have had a great season and these players... If I was them, I'd be really tempted, especially a move to your Liverpool's, potentially Chelsea's, Man United's. I can see them getting ransacked in the summer, and I can see Wolves then slowly dropping down on the table. I guess it depends on the project and depends on if they can keep their manager, who's very, very highly rated as well. So there's there's lots of variables there, but I don't I don't think Wolves will be disappointed not getting Champions League football. I think if they were being honest at the beginning of the season they would have been gunning for Europa League football. And to get Europa League football at a counter, that, that's a great season for them. So mm. still, it's still in a shot with this season as well, aren't they? They've, they've, they've had a great season. Um, mm. No more, no less. Tonight's yeah, game is quite interesting, actually, if you look at it, because Burnley, we're talking a lot about Wolves trying to get into the Champions League there. Burnley have got a great shout still to get into Europa League. We're only two points behind Tottenham, uh, only four behind Sheffield United in seventh. And depending on what happens in the FA Cup, there there are a few Europa League spaces there waiting to be grabbed. So Burnley could sneak in through the back door there. So in terms of that, it's an interesting game. Uh, no competition between Wolves and Burnley whatsoever. They're just playing for themselves in the table mm. here. And I think I, I can I can see an interesting game. I think Burnley will go all out on this one. I just find it really difficult to use the term interesting game when we're talking about Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be interesting though. Maybe like chess, Sean <laughs> chest, and yeah, that, that sounds really exciting, Stefan. Let's <laughs> be tuning in for that. Uh, Newcastle United versus Tottenham Hotspur is the final game we're going to deal with today. And I mean, since Newcastle beat Bournemouth, and we all listened to Marley on the podcast, our resident Newcastle fan, when they beat Bournemouth four-one at the start of July, and he was convinced that. Steve Bruce it was the start, was... Jim. It was the start. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it was European football. Steve Bruce was going to get picked off by Liverpool as their next manager. It was all that yeah, kind of cool, thing. Koulibaly, Coutinho. 
<laughs> I mean, it's gone, safe to say it's gone downhill since then. So pretty much we're getting what we expect from Newcastle now, aren't we, Steve? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, Newcastle are saved from relegation. We, You know, I think we, we all tipped them for relegation, didn't we, at the start of the season? And um, slowly but surely, you know, the wheels have come off. And I think... Having Saint Maximam and, and Almiron injured is is yeah. a big blow to them, and obviously there's the the contract situation around Longstaff as well. You know where Steve Bruce is saying that his his non inclusion isn't based around that, and you, you're looking at it and you just you know you you kind of saying since um, I mean they had a great result against Sheffield United, didn't they? I think in uh, last month was it three 0 Was it? I think it was, wasn't it? And um, I just think it's it's Newcastle doing the Newcastle. They they'll you know they'll pick up a couple of really decent. They'll pick up some decent wins, but then they'll lose the next four. And and they've always done that. They've always had that in the locker. And I think you know Newcastle. Uh, you know they might be on the beach because they're not going to get sucked into a relegation battle now. You know there's, there's no doubt about that because there's teams considerably worse than them. Um, but I think there's there's a lot to ponder for Newcastle because. I mean, what are we four months on from this takeover situation? Yeah. And um, that is a massive distraction. You know, I, I would challenge any Newcastle fan to say otherwise that that is going to be having some form of impact in the dressing room, uh, whether it's happening or whether it's not. Whether these, whether these top players uh, are going to be coming into the club on big money and trying to transform the image of it, or whether they're going to be fishing in the Championship, you know, for signings or or, or maybe signing players that are being released from established Premier League squads. So, yeah, it, they're just thankful that there's three games left because if we had seven or eight games left, they might get sucked into this. And um, I think that they're just quite fortunate that we're, that we're running out of games because, you know, they've got Liverpool on the last day of the season, haven't they, um, at St James's Park. And, um, you know, it's it, it, they've got Tottenham, I think, today, well, tonight, haven't they? They've got Tottenham yeah. and then they've got Brighton away and then they've got Liverpool and um, you know you're looking at it and you're thinking they might not get anything out of them three games um, I wonder if know, Steve Bruce might use some of his Norwich contacts to kind of clear out some of their back four yeah not a bad shout Steve I've yeah. just got to say I loved the sentence Newcastle doing a Newcastle that sums up everything about Newcastle <laughs> they just you know and, 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 and they'll, they'll probably kind of you know the fans will probably hate me for saying it but they just always do this, um, you know, where you get these little green shoots popping up and you, the fans get quite excited. And that, you know, all joking aside, you know, I, I, I actually thought it was quite nice to see Marley uh, being how he was on Twitter and things like that about it and being very complimentary about the players and um, having a, a bit of a buzz on about his team because they have suffered for years. And... They've got to sort it out, and I think you know Newcastle is. You know, I've said it a long time. I've got, I've got a bit of affection for them. Um, you know, I think they're a great football club, and um, they deserve better. But they deserve a team that's going to show up most weeks, and it's going to be difficult to beat. And they deserve players that are, are prepared to to give everything for the shirt. And I think there's a bit of that missing from Newcastle, and I think they should be, with the greatest respect to Steve Bruce, you know, aiming a bit higher from a managerial mm. point of view than that. And until they start getting a bit more serious about who they are and what they are and what they want to achieve, this type of stuff's going to happen all the time. And um, I just hope that they sort it out for next season. I hope we get a bit of clarity about the takeover, whether it's happening or not. They can go into the transfer market. I mean, if you've got all that money, don't worry about FFP, lads. <laughs> um, you know, so it, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it, it is that you know the pina coladas are on. The Javianas flip flops are, are, are the the um, uh, you know the the the, the um, Asian beer uh, vests are on and the straw hats are on. <laughs> and, you know, and we'll see them in September. <laughs> I mean, needing players to play for the shirt, as you said, I completely agree with that. And I think every club needs that. They need that real core. And you can have your flair players who are kind of drifting out but you need that real core of people who care about the club and you'd think that was embodied by the likes of Matty Longstaff which makes his contract situation seem really strange that they've not managed to agree a deal Don't, and both of the Longstaff brothers went away one of them was one of them was halfway to Fiorentina or somewhere like that a couple of months ago. Yeah. Well, why yeah, is that? Are they just not? Are they are they not being are they not being offered the deals that they feel they can get? Is this Mike Ashley being a little bit stingy because the club are claiming they've put decent contracts on the table? 
Yeah, the problem is, though, it's in Sports Direct vouchers. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you 25 big mugs. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And uh, and seven bag for life. (laughs) But I think it's... um, I I don't know what what level of cash they're on per week. Um, Certainly probably more than what I'm on in my job. But... um, you know, I think one of them was offered thirty grand a week by was it Udinese or someone like that or Napoli or Udinese, yeah. Um, so, I think if if you're the Longstaff twins, you're probably looking at it and going, "What look? What's happened to Jaden Sancho? Um, you know, look what's happened happening to Jude Bellingham. You know, we thought this kid from Birmingham was going to to Man United. He he rocked up at Carrington. He had the tour of the ground. He was well impressed with the facilities. He's going to Dortmund." Uh, you know, Dortmund mm. have won the race to sign him, and I think that you know the um, Matty might be looking at it and just going, "I might be able to have that impact and propel myself into England reckoning." Because the reality is, you know, playing for Newcastle, he's probably not going to get picked for England um, unless something dramatic happens with his game. But if he's playing in Serie A and doing well with Udinese or uh, Fiorentino or someone like that. The chances are they're gonna probably fly over and have a look at him mm. and watch him in watch him in a game. Um, well, he needs but, to play. Yeah, but it could go like Bobby Duncan did from Liverpool, and he said that he wanted to move to Fiorentina, and now Fiorentina, after paying Liverpool that money, is just going, "Oh my God, we've made a massive mistake. How do we get rid of him off the wage bill?" <laughs> you know, so um, it could go. I think I think he needs to stay at Newcastle. I think for his development. I think for for he certainly for another year or two, and have you know seasons of a similar ilk where he has made that impact. Then I think if he does that for two seasons, um, I think Newcastle, if they get a decent bid for him, can probably go go on. Then Matty, we understand you want to win trophies and you want to be at a club that's competing for stuff, and um, you can go with our blessing. But yeah, it's I think the whole thing from top to bottom needs looking at at Newcastle and hopefully whatever owners I agree with you all the way Steve apart from on Steve Bruce I think you've got to give Steve Bruce credit if it was Rafa Benitez who'd got Newcastle to 13th Mm. uh, 43 points with three games to go everybody would be like oh Rafa Benitez is saved Newcastle again Rafa 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 just because it's Steve Bruce he's not he's not got a very VIP name about him but he knows the game and I think he's showed up at football club so I would say a lot of credit goes to Steve Bruce for definitely in the position where they are right now. Definitely, he deserves a lot of credit. But like you've just touched on, uh, he's not fashionable enough. And, and if you've getting you're getting big Saudi owners coming in that want to pump serious cash into the club, they want a marquee manager, they want a big name, mm. and and Steve isn't that unfortunately. And I think he'll probably end up like you know like if Hodgson leaves Palace, he might kind of have another stint at Palace or something like that. You know, um, it, that's the type of job that he's going to attract and. And it's a shame because he's a decent English manager who is who has done good things for those clubs threatened with relegation and, and could, obviously he's been relegated as well. He could probably pick up as uh, West Ham manager in Championship next season. West Ham will be all right, I think. <laughs> Don't, Stefan. Don't. <laughs> Let's talk about the other manager before we wrap up because Jose Mourinho is in the dugout for Tottenham. It's still a relatively new appointment, but it feels that every time he steps onto the pitch or every time he puts a team out onto the pitch, he needs to prove a point at the moment. And for what it's worth, I thought he did really well against Arsenal. And... Spurs were terrible in that game, which feels like a weird thing to say when Spurs were terrible, but I think the manager deserves credit. But I think he set up in a way that was always going to be Arsenal. He absorbed the pressure, he waited for the press, and then he just pinged it over the top to his front two that he was playing. And I think he set up perfectly. So he maybe deserves credit for that, but he still has got to win a lot of people over. Coming off the back of the failures he's he's had and I say failures and I use that word quite lightly because we know what he did at Manchester United was probably actually quite decent considering the resource he had but uh, yeah people I mean particularly in this country we like to knock people off their perch don't we and no one feels like they are entitled to the perch more than Jose Mourinho yeah it's it's an odd one I've I've got massive respect and love for Jose Mourinho but he just can't shake this tag that he's been given of a boring football manager setting up parking the bus. This That sentence, parking the bus, has been the worst sentence for Jose Mourinho in his whole career. Mm. But I just can't help but think this guy's won everything. He's 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 still he's still got to be in the top five coaches. I know people say that his uh, tactics are maybe a little bit out of date or he's, 
he's not quite got the the dynamic kind of appeal that people like Klopp have. But that's what Jose Mourinho is for me. I think he's I think he's one of the last of the old school now, if you get what I mean. And I just I really hope that it works out well for him at Tottenham. And he's not had any time at Tottenham really. He's been in a job for a long time in terms of months, but in terms of games, he's not really had many mm. games. And going into a North London derby and beating Arsenal and all the plaudits going to him afterwards would have been massive for him, I think, personally. And he's got to he's he's just got to get some form of investment that can take Tottenham to the next level next season. Because it's really interesting when you look at Arsenal and Tottenham as two clubs. I mean Arsenal traditionally have very little patience with their manager but Mikel Arteta is being given time by the fans the fact the general feeling from the fans is he's the right man we just need to give him time we need him to be allowed to build this squad for Spurs it seems quite different Steve I mean we saw Jose out trending on Twitter last week after another disappointing result is he going to be given the time because you look at that Spurs team it's not a Mourinho team he needs to spend money but is he going to be given the time and the money to do that no one no is, is, is the answer to that, and I think that um, the pro- I was just gonna I was gonna uh, t- uh, say when Stefan was was talking then um, the problem that Tottenham have got is 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 multifaceted. Um, the fact is that they're in the new stadium, which is out of this world. Um, they were they were relying on a lot of revenue from concerts and. Uh, the NFL playing uh, and, and and so on and so forth, and the the, the the pandemic has wiped all that out. So they've had to uh, go to the Bank of England and, and borrow £175 million. Um, so they've took a loan out, obviously, against the club to uh, manage their finances, which means from a, from a transfer window point of view, they're not going to make any massive moves because that cash isn't there to do it, not unless they sell first. Um, you know, and I think they have got players that they probably could sell that have that have got some um, resale value. Harry and, Kane to Man um, United. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane to Man United. I think I think Lucas Lucas Moura is is a player. I think you know, um, Deli Ali. Um, you know, might fancy some somewhere else. Um, but the problem is with when you're looking at like Mikel Arteta, when you're looking at Pep Guardiola, when you're looking at Jurgen Klopp, the the difference with them three appointments is that it was the start of a process. Uh, Arsenal got so bad uh, how it was going there, and obviously after the Unai Emery um, uh, era that they had, um, is that it was a line in the sand for Arsenal. It was like, we have to rebuild this football club. Um, and it starts by getting a young, exciting manager in who can bring his own ideas in, who will b- blood young players like he's done with Nketiah and, and Bakao Saka and people like that. And, um, you know, Liverpool had to do it. You know, we finished 10th in Jurgen Klopp's first season um, because we had to start a rebuilding process. And Pep Guardiola, when he went to Man City, they changed the way that football club run two years before he come into the job. Yeah. Um, you know, they got they got his people over a year in advance to get the academy playing in a certain way and get that ethos going through Man City. And the problem that Tottenham have got is Jose Mourinho is a stopgap. And he, you're going to get two or three seasons out of him if you're lucky. And it's very difficult to put roots down in that situation and go, we're in this for the long haul. So to get buy-in from everyone involved with Tottenham is quite difficult for Jose Mourinho because they know he's not sticking round. Um, you know, whereas the other managers that I've mentioned should be, and in, in Jurgen and Pep's case, have been there for a while. Um, you know, he's not a, he's not a guy that loves playing youth. Um, he's not a guy that you know beds in India. I mean, he lived in a hotel in Manchester for what two and a half years. Uh, he was in the <laughs> yeah. he was in the Lowry Hotel in Manchester. <laughs> to be you know, fair, so I that, that in Lowry, room would. service. He loves room but service. The, That's all that was. About. I know, but all kind of joking aside, and you know that doesn't send out a message that you are here to stay, that you were in it for the long term. The fact you will not buy property in Manchester. You will put, the club will carry on paying the Lowry nah. for you to live in the top floor of the Lowry because you have no interest in spending six, seven, eight, nine years, whatever, in Manchester building a dynasty. Nah, I, th- I think too that- much is made of that, Steve. I think if 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 Jose Mourinho hadn't been slapped by Chelsea the second time and things were going well there, he'd still be Chelsea manager. I think I think he's at a point in his career where he does want to kind of bed in and stay at a place and try and build something. 
Um, and ideally, that would have been Chelsea with him, but it didn't work mm. out. And Man United could have been that next option. Uh, he would have fancied himself as taking over from Alex Ferguson as the next person who brings everything to Manchester. So the, the hotel thing and all that, I think there's too much into that. I think the problem that Mourinho has now, compared to uh, what Mikel Arteta has at Arsenal, is Arteta is seen as one of our own. Arteta played for Arsenal. Arteta's got a bit of heritage there. He's got a bit of history there. Whereas Mourinho, he was their manager. He was Chelsea manager. And that won't sit well for a lot of Tottenham fans. Mm. So I think that's the biggest difference. Not necessarily mm. laying down roots and whatnot. I think it's all about, is he one of our own? And Jose Mourinho, I think, is an outsider figure in Tottenham compared to Arteta is at Arsenal. You don't know whether he's committed. That's the mm. problem. Um, you know, that's I suppose what I was trying to get at. But he's, I think his star is, you know, I don't think he'll get a big job in England again. Um, and I think, you know, he might go back to Spain or Italy, but to achieve the things that he wants to achieve, uh, he's got to get the Juventus job in Italy. <laughs> and uh, in Spain, he's got to get Real Madrid or Barcelona. You joked about Harry Kane going to Manchester United, but actually, could that be the way that Spurs can tackle that financial black hole and also rebuild the squad you get 150 160 million pound potentially for harry kane that brings in the foundations of Mourinho's new team yeah you lose harry kane but has he actually been as good as he was maybe for the previous few years he you get the impression he wants to move on and kind of win trophies could that be the right move for everyone Nah, he's had a stellar. He's not had a stellar season, but he's he's Harry Kane, and the goals that he brings, you can't you can't replace that. There's a reason why he costs 160, 170, million, because he's worth that, and you can't you can't get rid of your best players like that. It just doesn't show the right ambition. They might not have a say, though, might be. Yeah, but if 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 you're Tottenham, if you're if you're Jose Mourinho, you want your best striker, and you want him playing well, and that just that just gives off all the all the wrong vibes. If you, if you sell your best player like that, you 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 build it, your team around him basically, and they have done that for the last mm. few seasons, and they can do that again. It's whether he wants that honours though, isn't it? That's always the question with Harry Kane. Does he want to compete for trophies? Because let's face it, you know you you can't see Tottenham being anywhere near trophies for a long time currently because it's just not there. And I think is he twenty six now, uh, lads? I'm not sure. Is he twenty six, twenty seven, something like that? Twenty seven at least, yeah. Is he? He's got. He's, he's going to want to move. Yeah, he's going to want to play for someone who's going to be challenging for the Premier League, who's going to be getting to the European finals, um, and he's just not going to achieve that at Tottenham, unfortunately. Sorry, Spurs fans, but he's not. Well, that's exactly the reason Mourinho has been brought in. And Harry Kane is 27 next week, by the way, so we kind of nailed oh. it with the age. There you go. <laughs> um, right, that is it for Football Social Daily. Steve, Stefan, thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, Jim. Click subscribe. You'll get this podcast as soon as it's ready tomorrow. We're doing them every single day during the football season and with the... Games coming thick and fast is the best way to keep up to date with everything that's going on in the league right now and have that football ammo for when you meet your mates down the pub, which you're allowed to do again now. We'll see you next time for Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Begambleaware.org. 